Good morning. Afrael from Chanukah. We begin by thanking our sponsor, Shmuel Malka Esterson, memory of their parents, and in commemoration of the art sites, Yitzhak Leib, Benarana Kayen, Sarah Rachel Bas, Baruch Avram, Hinda, Basenech Ephraim, and Shabbat Shehavan Aliyah, and the family in Nechama, and in honor of the Rav for all he does for our Kehillah and our community. Thank you. Thank you for the Yomi sponsor, to Paul Kathy Pollock, memory of Paul's aunt Esther Pollock, Esther Ben Zachaya, and Shama should have an Aliyah and the family in Achama. Amen. We are learning Daf Chaf Aleph this morning. We are up to Chaf Aleph. We are going to begin at the bottom of Chaf 20b. We left off, we were telling nice stories about Ravuna. And we are up to the words of Chopanya Damali Shapta. It is two, four, six, eight lines up. It's in the middle, in the middle of the line. And the last story we learned was about crumbling walls. We're studying a lot about cr- crumbling walls. And, sorry. So we're learning about crumbling walls. And the last story was that he used to go out in bad weather and he used to go repair the walls that were falling down. Here the Gemara tells a story about what he used to do at Erev Shabbos. He would send somebody to the marketplace. Imagine this. He used to go every Erev Shabbos. He would go out. He would send somebody out to the marketplace. And he'd buy all the leftover vegetables. What would he do with it? He would chuck it into the river. Okay? The Gemara says, what's he doing this for? He just bought so much vegetables, so many vegetables. Why is he throwing it into the river for? Why doesn't he at least give it to, to, to Aniyim? Make it useful. He didn't want to give free vegetables to the Aniyim every single week because he recognized that if they're going to come, to, if they're going to become accustomed to getting free vegetables every single week, they'll never go to the supermarket to go buy it. And he recognized that this is the type of tzedakah that he's going to do, which is ultimately going to have a negative effect. Because if he's going to train the aniyim not to have to ever buy vegetables, because he's always going to give it to them every hour of Shabbos, so then it's going to set a bad precedent for them. He doesn't know that he'll be able to sustain this long term. And if you start something that you can't sustain long term, but you get all the anim accustomed to getting free vegetables every hour of Shabbos, so then ultimately he, he has done a disservice to them because once the vegetables are not going to come anymore, they're going to be in big trouble. They won't have anything to eat. Therefore, therefore, he recognized that that type of tzedakah, giving free vegetables to anim every single week, is something which was not good. Sigmar says, Why doesn't he just at least give it to some animals? Everyone has some animals. If you give the vegetables to animals, at least they'll be eaten. So he says, This is not a did of Muktzah. We had a similar concept when it came to Muktzah, of Muchan Adam and Muchan But it's, the idea over here is that it's not appropriate for a person to take food from a human being and then use that food for animal food. There are human beings, the Chud, and animals, the Chud. You don't share dinner with your, with your animal. Of course, you feed your animals, but the same food that you use for yourself, you don't give to the animals. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. So what do you go buy it for? What's the point in going to buy the, the vegetables? I actually have a friend. He used to tell me his wife would come home and she would buy a lot of cucumbers. And he would go, 
straight to the bag of cucumbers, and he would take two or three of them, put them straight in the garbage. His wife would say to him, what are you doing? I just bought these cucumbers. And he says, at the end of the week, when they're all moldy, I'm usually the one who puts them in the garbage, so I figured I'll take two or three out right now and put it straight in, straight in the garbage. I don't know if that was such a great Shalom Bias idea, but, but ultimately, what's the point in him going out to the supermarket to go buy all these vegetables to throw them in the river. Nobody else could have thrown them in the river. He had to be the one to go buy it to throw it in the river. What's the point in that? says, Because he was concerned that if, the, if, the, if the, those who are selling the food in the market are not going to sell all the vegetables, what they're going to say, next week let's bring less. So if they're going to bring less, then next week perhaps more people are going to need vegetables. There won't be enough. So he wanted to make sure that there was always a surplus of vegetables and the, and the farmers are going to bring the proper amount of vegetables to the supermarket. And, and he didn't want them, and at the same time, he didn't want to give it out. So he was stuck. In other words, he wanted there to be enough vegetables for everyone, for everyone to buy. If there were leftovers, he wanted to buy them to make sure to bring them the next week. And he didn't want to give them out to Aniyam because then he's going to set a precedent that free vegetables every Friday. So therefore, and he didn't want to give them to behemoths because it wasn't appropriate to give person food to animals. So therefore, what did he do? He threw it into the river. So now, Rashi actually says that throwing it into the river wasn't just wasting it. If you see Rashi, he says, it's in the Rashi, Ein Machilinos Lebehem at the end. He says, Vezarak Lenahar, he threw it into the river, Vaholchin Lemakum Achim. The river can take them to another place. They could float and they can go to another place. In other words, he wasn't entirely just throwing them in the garbage. He was putting them in the river, and that gave the ability for the vegetables to travel to another town. And essentially, people would go, people, we, we know nowadays people don't spend that much time hanging out at the river, but when you have to do your laundry, and that's where you do your laundry, so if people are sitting there doing laundry, and they say, hey, look, lunch is coming down the river. So that was something which people actually took out vegetables. You don't have to have a heksher on a, on a, uh, on a cucumber. So therefore, it, it actually served a purpose. It wasn't just like throwing it in the garbage. It served a purpose. And again, that's not something that people are going to come to rely on because it's not like someone's giving out free vegetables. So his idea was it had benefit on both sides. First of all, the marketplace will all be stocked. Second of all, he wasn't entirely wasting them. Third of all, he wasn't creating a precedent for the anim. And that was something special about Rufunu. There's another story about Ravuna. When he ever had a medical need, he would fill up a little jug of... of what did you say? Did I skip something? That was the Emachil Behema. That's why he didn't want to give the, the food to the, to the animals. When he had a medical need, he would hang it on the, on, on the door of his house. He would say, Call the boy, Anybody who needed it could come take. So this is, Rashi says, There was some type of plague of shadim. If people would eat without washing their hands, they would get sick. So when that, that was going around, 
he would have the amount of kuzu demaya vidali light leiv armor called the place of leo below the stocking. He'd put water outside his house like this. Anybody could wash their hands so that they, so they'll be protected. Kevi karach rifta, heavy pasach libeveiv armor koma the tsarach place of lecha. Whenever he would eat, he'd also would open he would open the door to his house and say anybody who wants to eat could come in as well. This is a very interesting thing here. We have this story, and Rava is listening to this story, and he says, you know what? It's beautiful. It's a really beautiful thing. I could put the medicine outside the house. I could put water outside for people to wash their hands. However, in other words, I'm trying to emulate Ravuna, and I could copy all the things that he's doing, but this thing I can't do. I can't put lunch outside my house every time I sit there to eat lunch, I can't do that. Because there are too many Bnei Chela in Mechuzah where he lived. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Rashi says, Rashi understands that there were just were too many Aniyim. Where Rava lived, had, if he would do that, he would just not be able to sustain it. So he recognized there are certain things he's able to emulate about the behavior of Rav Huna. And it's beautiful. You hear a beautiful story about somebody, which is... Which is also, it's a good point to point out, sometimes people just tell stories for the sake of just telling stories. And it's good to tell stories, it's exciting. But when you hear a story that has a good lesson in it, the point is to be able to say, how can I emulate that lesson? How can I make that part of my life? How can that actually mean something for me? So Ravah did that, but he recognized that it would be unsustainable for him to emulate that behavior of Ravuna to give lunch to somebody else every time he ate lunch because simply it would just not be possible to keep up with it. The Gemara continues telling stories about shaky walls. Ilfa of Rabbi Yochanan have a Boraisa. Ilfa and Rabbi Yochanan were talking and learning. They, were, they reached a point where they just, the poverty had taken over them. They had become extremely, extremely poor. They had no money. So Amri, they said, Let's go out and do some business. So look at the way they, they termed this. They understood the priority in their life was to sit and learn. It's Ilfa and Rabbi Yochanan. Okay? Now they recognized this is what they had to do with themselves. But they re- reached a point that their learning caused them to be so poor that they simply weren't able to support themselves. So how did they phrase this? They said, the Pasuk, the Torah teaches us that Fs you have to stop at the point that you're going to be, you're going to be stricken by poverty. So they said, let's stop learning. It's like this, we can be kind of mitzvah, the Torah, like this, we won't be so poor. Azlum, they went in Osle to Teguda, Re'ia. They went on their mission to go do some business. Where did they sit? Under a shaky wall. Karachi Rifta, first thing you do is go out and eat lunch. Karachi Rifta, they went out, they made themselves a sandwich. And Asu Tre Malachi Asharis, two Malachi Asharis came. And Shamei, Rav Yochanan, Rav Yochanan heard these two Malachi Asharis in a conversation. The Marsha says that these two Malachi Asharis are the Malachi Asharis that, that, that escort everybody wherever they go, whenever they, are, whenever they go someplace, and they're there with everybody. We don't always have the opportunity to hear them. Rav Yochanan sat down and he heard these two Malachi Asharis. They were talking to each other. The Amar Chad one of them said to his friend, Nishte alayu haigudu v'naktalinu. Let us push this shaky wall on top of Rabbi Yochanan and Ilfa and we'll kill them. Why? Talking about Rabbi Yochanan and Ilfa over here. And these people, we can imagine what the Torah looked like when they sat down and they talked and learning. 
and they ultimately left learning Torah. Why? For the sake of supporting themselves. Now, just again, uh, going back to the Marsha, the Marsha really talks about the concept of, of Ayin Hara. I don't know if he says it's so clear, but ultimately the point is that when a, generally speaking, we don't cause ourselves to have to go through a Din Torah every single time. We don't, go, we don't sit in front of the, the best in Shalmailah every moment to determine should we be punished or should we not. These two, these two Malachim, Marsha says there's one on the right side, that's the one who advocates for good. There's one on the left side who advocates for not such good things. And here, finally what happened was they changed their lifestyle. They did something different. When someone changes their lifestyle and they put themselves in a dangerous situation, they changed their lifestyle and they sat under a shaky, unstable wall which was about to collapse. So now they put themselves into a situation of, of, a, of a Din Torah. In other words, they find themselves being judged on their own on their own accord, because they did something, they sat in a dangerous place. At that point in time, the Malach from the left side said, you know what, here's my opportunity to ultimately punish him. And, and, and the reason for that was, they, were, they decided to leave go of which was learning Torah, to ultimately spend time making a living. Amar Idach, the other one said, leave them alone. Why? What between these two people, one of them ultimately is going to reach a very important point in their life. And we're talking about very special people over here. Please don't knock down the wall. The consequence for Klai Yisrael is going to be too much. We can't allow them both to be killed. So now, what happens? Rabbi Yochanan Shama. Yochanan was sitting there. He heard this conversation. Ilfa lo Shama. Ilfa did not hear the conversation. Amar le'er v'yochanan l'elfa. V'yochanan said to Elfa, Shama marmidi, did you hear someone talking about something? Amar lo, I did not hear anybody talking about anything. As a matter of fact, I'm quite sure nobody said anything. We're sitting here together, just the two of us. And he said, I did not hear anybody say anything. Amar. V'yochanan said, Mideshami ano, since I heard about this, v'elfa lo shama, Elfa did not hear this conversation, shmami na, I can hear from this. I can, I can infer from this. I recognize that for me, I'm going to reach that point. I'm going to grow. I'm going to be somebody very special. And therefore, I'm going to go back and I'm going to establish for myself Of course, when I left, when I left my full-time learning to go out and do some business, I did so under the guise, under the halacha of Ephes Evyon, I did it because I was trying to make sure that I will not be an Evyon. I won't be a poor person who has to come unto others. But you know what? Sometimes you have to focus on another, on, on another Pasuk. The other Pasuk which just states the reality of the world, which is, Kilo Yechtal Evyon Mikarav Aretz. The Torah guarantees us that the cycle of poverty will always be there. There always will be poor people. And you said, you know what? I will be that guy. It could be that originally I thought that I'm supposed to be mekayim for myself. I should fulfill myself for myself. The pasuk You should take all your, your avodas Hashem to the point that you don't become poor. But says Rav Yochanan, I see from this story that it's so important for me to spend my time learning Torah and growing in Torah and becoming big in Torah. I am that one person who has to be mekayim that pasuk of. There always will be 
Mikarav Aratsari, there always would be somebody in the world who's poor, and Rabbi Yochanan embraced that with love. He said, That's going to be, be, be me, I'm going to do that. So Rabbi Yochanan Hadar, Elfalo Hadar. Rabbi Yochanan turned around, he made an about face, he went back to the base medrash, and he sat down and he learned. Elfa, on the other hand, continued, he went on, and he joined the corporate world. Adaasa Elfa, by the time Elfa came back from his business trip, Malach Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan had already become king. Now what does it mean, Malach Rabbi Yochanan? He was not a king. So Rashi tells us something very important here. Malach Rabbi Yochanan is the third skinny line in Rashi. By the time he came back, he was appointed as the Rosh Yeshiva. And Rashi says, It was the custom, The one who was the dean, the head of the institution, he was the head of school, They would make him big from their own money. The minig over there was, if you were the Rosh Yeshiva, they made sure that he wasn't just supported. He was wealthy. They gave him a tremendous amount of assets. Just like a Kohen Gadol, was somebody who was supported from the community, so too the Rosh Yeshiva, the one who was the head of the Yeshiva, he also was supported from the community, became wealthy. So here we have such an interesting turn of events. Rabbi Yochanan sacrifices to go back because he wanted to ultimately reach his potential to be able to become somebody very big in, in Limei Torah. He understood then. He did it because the Pasuk says, Kilo There always will, will be one poor person. He accepted that with love. That's what we wanted to be. He said, I will be great in Torah, and I'll be very poor. Ultimately what happens, he becomes great in Torah. People recognize his Torah. People appreciate his Torah. <clears throat> he becomes appointed as the Rosh HaYeshiva, and... He does not have to worry about being the poorest person in the world because ultimately what happens is he is supported from the community. So now Azal, Ilfa, you can understand he came back and he felt very bad. So Tolanafshi he went and he stood on the mass of the of the boat. And he said, Amar, E Achil. If anybody will come ask me any questions in any of the brises of Ruchia and Raboshia, which were known to be true, I won't be able to bring a raya from it from another Mishnah. I'm going to jump off this boat and I'm going to drown. In other words, Ilfa recognized that people perhaps didn't, didn't appreciate his accomplishments and his ability to learn Torah. And what he said to them was, lest anybody believe that I left the world of Limanat Torah to go into the world of business and I've completely forgotten about learning, I don't know anything, I've become a big Amaretz, here I go, I want you to know, I'm ready, I'm up for the test. Test me, ask me about any b'risa from Rukhir Roshia, and I'll be able to back it up from Mishnah. Osahu Hahusaba. An old grandfather came by, and Tanala, he learned to him the following. Person is about to pass away, and in his will, or in his, it's not in his will, he, he verbally says, give a shekel to my sons every single week. They counted up his money, 
And they recognized he has enough money, but besides from not having enough money, they recognized the cost of living was more than a shekel a week. Imagine that. Well, a shekel a week to support yourself. They realized that, no, it costs more than a shekel a week. You need to have two shekel, which is a seller. So the halach is no sometimes seller. You give a seller. Even though the father asked to give the children a shekel, his intention was that they should have, have enough money to, to support themselves. So therefore, even though he said give a shekel, give a seller. However, don't give them any more than a shekel. A no shekel. Then you give specifically what he said. You only give one shekel, even though it's not enough money. The Gemara continues. When my children die, other children should ultimately get what, it, what other people should get what's left over from the Yerusha. In other words, he clearly stipulates, give a shekel a week, and now when my children die, take the leftovers and give it to the following person. So, whether he just said, give them a shekel, like the first way we learned, whether he said, don't give them more than a shekel, in any case, we only give the children one shekel. And he gives the leftovers to whoever's there. In other words, the point is, we have a situation here, a person has money. He leaves it behind to his children, to his yarshim. And he says, give them a shekel. And then he dies. So we're trying to figure out what he meant. So therefore, what we say is, if the cost of living costs a seller, you give more than a shekel because he ultimately wants to support his children. But if he was clear, and he said, don't give more than a shekel, then we only give them a shekel even though it doesn't cover the cost of living. This is talking about, I didn't mention this, this is talking about when someone was appointed as the caretaker of the money. Now, obviously, it's no one else's business to get involved in someone else's Yerusha. This is a situation where someone was appointed to take care of the money. Now, the last case is where he, he designates somebody else as the one who's going to get, get the leftover money. In that case, again, the, the, the Brysa says that they only get one shekel a week and the leftover goes to those, to those Yarsha. So now, he ultimately wanted to know where does this come from? What is the source of this? Amar so Ilfa said to him, Hamani Rameirhi. Sure, I can back this one up. This is clear. This is a Mishnah. It's Rameir. The Amar Mitzvah Kaim Divri Ames. There's a mitzvah for a person to be mekayim debri ames. This is the whole discussion where a mace says something just as, as, as just at the time that they're about to pass away, and it's different than the assumption would have been. So, it, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe the case was a person has a daughter, and he says to give the money to her, and not to give it to her husband which would ultimately normally be the way that you would do it, so the halach is you give it to her anyway, because it's mitzvah l'kayim devri hames. So in other words, the point over here is that you give the money specifically to, to, the person, to the person mentioned by the deceased, and you carry out the will of the deceased, and Ilfa backed that one up. The Gemara continues talking about shaky walls. Omar Amru Allah al-Nacham ish gamzu. They said on the following person whose name was Nachum Ishgamzu. He was blind in both eyes. He was not able to use both of his hands. Both of his feet were amputated. His entire body was filled with boils. He lived in a very dilapidated home. 
the legs of his bed were placed into buckets of water. Why did they do that? Kedei shlo ya'alu alav nimalu. It's like this, no ants should climb up the, po- the posts of his bed and go on to Nachamish Gamzu, because he couldn't get them off. He didn't have hands or feet. So if an ant went on him, it's tremendously disturbing, nothing he's able to do about it. So therefore, they put the legs of his bed into water. It's like this, the ants have no way to cross over that kind of like a moat. They couldn't get in there because they had to get through the, through the water to get onto his bed. Pamachas haisa mitasa munachas paves there was one time while his bed was in this weak house, this dilapidated home, and Bikshu Talmidov Lafanus Pitaso. His Talmidov said, Listen, Rebbe, you can't live in this house. The whole thing's going to fall down. And afterwards, Viachakach Lafanus Esakel. They wanted to empty out the house. Omar Lahem, he said to them, Banai, first, Panu Esakelim, take out whatever I have, my possessions inside the house, in the house, Viachakach Panu Esmitaso. Take out my bed afterwards. Why? Shemuftach Lachem. It is guaranteed to you. She calls bebayis. As long as I am in the house, ain habayis nofel. The house is not going to fall on me. So therefore, use your time to get all the other things out of the house and leave me for last. Like this, I will be able to sustain the the house as long as as long as I'm in here. The house won't fall down. What did they do? Pinos HaKelem, they first took out all the Kalim, Biachakach Pinos Mitaso, and immediately after they took out his bed, boom, Benafal Habayas, the house collapsed. So Amalo Tamidov. His Tamidim said, so it's just, I should just point out the Marsha, I was trying to speak out less things today because we're already running out of time, and uh, we went over time yesterday. But this is an important marshal over here, just to compare it to yesterday's Amud. Yesterday's Amud of Adabar Hava was very upset when they used him to keep the, 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 the storage house up. He was brought there because of his chos to keep it up. So why is it that Nachmish Gamzu himself actually advocates for himself to keep the house up? And Rav Adabar Hava was so upset when they brought him there to keep, to keep the storage house up. So the marshal says the difference is Nachem Ish Gamzu was a tzaddik gamwa. There was nothing wrong with Nachem Ish Gamzu. He was flawless. And therefore, he was completely, 100%, 100% comfortable with using his chosim to keep up the house. Vada Barahava, as much as we learned such beautiful things about Vada Barahava, he wasn't classified as a tzaddik gamwa. And therefore, he was nervous that's going to take away from his chosim to keep the house up. That's what the Marsha says. So anyway, Amrlo Tamidov. His Tamidov said to him, Rabbi, b'chimi'achar sh'tzadik gomor. The Marsha says very clear here. B'chimi'achar sh'tzadik gomor ato. I mean, Rabbi, you're tzadik gomor. There's nothing wrong with you. You're flawless. Salama also l'chokach. Why do you have such a terrible life? This is the, I mean, the, 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 the kasha of tzadik baralo. Again, the Marsha says the same thing over here. A tzaddik gomor does not have ralo. Tzaddik ralo is by, by good people. Tzaddik gomor does not have to experience a terrible life. So they asked him, you're a tzaddik gomor. Why do you have all these terrible, terrible struggles in your life? Amr lahem, banai, ani garamti le'atzmi. I brought this upon myself. Why shepamachas yisim halach bedarach? There was one time I was going, lebeis chami, I was traveling to my in-laws, v'haya imi masoy, Gimel Chamorim. I had three donkeys loaded up. Echad Shamaycha, one of them was with food. Echad Shemishta, the other one had all types of drinks on it. Echad Shemini Megadim, the other one was filled with all types of other exciting foods. 
A poor person approached me, and he, stand, he stood in my way. He said to me, Rebbe, Parnaseni, I see you have so much, please can you give me something to eat? I said to him, He said, let me, get, let me take a few minutes to unload it from the chamar, and I'll give you what to eat. And then says, He said, He did not have enough time to take it off the chamar, it took me too long to get him some food, and the guy died. So therefore, I fell on my face, and I said, My eyes, who do not have mercy on your eyes, you should become blind. My hands, who do not have, 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 have mercy on your hands, should become chopped off. Ragli my feet that did not have Rahmanas on your feet should be amputated, Yizkatu should be amputated. I did not calm down, until I said that my whole body should be filled with skin, with with boils. So they said, And they said to him, We can't we just can't tolerate this. This is so bad, we have to see you in, under such conditions. And Amr Lahem, he said to them, What would be with me if you would not see me this way? In other words, he was essentially saying, I'm earning my, my place in Olam Haba, in Olam HaEmes, by living a life like this. So just very quickly, what did he do wrong? I mean, the guy wanted something to eat. He said, let me get it for you. <laughs> what was he supposed to do? He said, wait a second, till I get it off the back of the Chamar. I mean, what else could he have done other than say, sure, Give me a second. Let me unlock the trunk and get the food out. He went to the trunk to get it, and the guy died. So I, I, didn't, I didn't see this anywhere. I didn't really look around enough. But what hit me must have been, he must have not gone right away. He must have said, you know, I'll be at a rest stop in a few minutes. Why don't you meet me at the, at the, at the rest stop on the, on the turnpike? And, we'll, and I'll, when I stop for gas, I'll open up the trunk, I'll open up the suitcase, and I'll get it out. In other words, there must have been some element of a delay there. Maybe he even said, wait till I get to my in-laws when I unload the suitcase, because we know he's going to his in-laws. So maybe he said when he gets to his in-laws, that's when he'll give him the food. It must be that there was some conscious delay that was made here. It wasn't just wait until I can get the stuff off the back of the chamar. Why did the guy have this name, the strange name of Nachamish Gamzu? The Gemara says, Anytime anything happened to him, he always said, Gam Zulotova. Again, the Marshal deals with the fact that the Gemara in Musafis Brachos tells us that a person should always say, Kalmad Avar Rahman Latav Avid, and he gives the difference between Kalmad Avar Rahman Latav Avid, the difference between Latav Avid, where you ultimately recognize that things are bad, but you say something good will come out of it. And Gam Zulotova means not only is something good going to come out of it, but Gam Zulotova. This thing actually itself is good. So he was one higher, one level higher than what the Gemara says in Mesechus Brachos. Anyway, Zimnachad, Ba'u Lishtur Yisrael Dorun Lebekesar. The Jewish people wanted to send a gift to the Bekesar, to the government. And Amru, Man Yezel, who should bring it? Yezel Nachemish Gamzu. He should be the person who should go. Why? He's somebody who has experienced all types of miracles in his life. Shadru Bey, Mali Sifta Davanim Tovus Margalios. They sent a whole sack of, of uh, precious stones and all types of gems. Azal Bas Bahudira, he went, he stayed over one night in an, in a, in an inn, 
And Belelia Kamu Hanoch diure vishaklinhu lesifta umelunahu offer. What did they do? His host found his suitcase. They opened up the suitcase. They took out all the jewels, all the precious stones. What did they do? They filled it up with dirt. Lamachar, the next morning, Kichazinhu, when he noticed what happened, Amari said, Gamzul Tova, must be good. And he went on. Kimato Hasam, he got there. Sharinu Lesifta, and Chaznu Dmal Afra. So if you'll notice that when it says Lamachar, the next morning, when he got there, it says, the next morning he saw it, he said Gamzul Tova, it's in, it's in parentheses. And I, I think it probably should not be read. Because had he recognized before he got there that his suitcase was full of dirt, it would have been highly irresponsible to show up to the Kesar and say, here, I have something so special for you, a couple of mud pies that the kids made from outside. You don't do that. So therefore, that's, I mean, it would have been, it's nice for him to say Gamzalatova, but it would have taken a tremendous amount of, of risk to go ahead and say Gamzalatova, so therefore I'm going to give a gift to somebody. He could have said Gamzalatova and gone back home and said, listen, we tried to give a gift, but it didn't work. So that's why I think that line has to be taken out. Anyway, Bo Malka, ultimately, when he gave the gift, when he gave the gift, and they noticed that it was full of dirt, Bo Malka, he went to kill the Jews. He said, this is what the Jews send me. The Jews send me a gift. They send it in the hands of this guy. He shows up here, and he's all excited. He gives me a gift, a box, you know, imagine the wrapping paper, all the ribbons on the outside. He opens it up, and it's full of dirt. He wanted to kill all the Jews. Amr, the Jews are making a joke out of me. Amar comes to the said, this is the appropriate place to put it. So it says, Nochamish Gamzu, you know what, I did what I had to. I gave the gift. It didn't work out, Gamzu Tova must be good. Also Elio, Elio Anovi came, and Ad Milei Kichad Minayu. He made him look like one of the members of the government. And Amar Lei Dilma Ha'afram Mi'afrat Avram Maybe this is the dirt of Avram Avinu. What was that? When he, when he would throw dirt, it turned into knives. And Gali, Havi Giri. When he would throw other types of dirt, it would turn into, into arrows. His dirt became like a sword. Kakash, the straw, was Nidaf. Kashto was like the, was like the bow and arrow. Havi Chad Medinta. The low Matzi the Mechbash. So there was one country that the Caesar, the Caesar, could not conquer. And Bad Kumine, they checked out this dirt, the Kavshua, and it worked. Ilo the Beginze, Umalu the Sifte Avanum Tobos, Margalios, Vishadu Biakodaraba. Ultimately, they said, listen, you gave us such an unbelievable, such an invaluable gift. We're finally able to conquer this land. What they do, they filled up a whole suitcase filled with all types of precious jewels and precious stones, and they gave him a tremendous amount of covet, and they sent back Nachamish Gamzu, they sent, sent him back home. So at the end, what happened was, he went with a suitcase filled of jewels, his suitcase was replaced with dirt, he gave the dirt to the Kesar, the Kesar appreciated that dirt so much because it turned into all types of ammunition to ultimately conquer their enemy. What happened, they said, what a wonderful gift you gave us, because of that they gave him, they filled up his suitcase full of precious stones and all types of beautiful gems, they sent him back with a tremendous amount of cover. So now, Kiasu Beisa, Kiasu Beisa he went back, he went back home with his load, and he went to stay in the same inn, he stayed in on the way there. Amrulay, they said to him, My Isis Bahadach, Da'avilach Yakakulihai. What did you give them 
that made them give you such a high level of respect. So Amar Lahu, Maite Shakli Mihacha, Amati Lahasam. Whatever you, whatever you, I took from here is what I gave them. Whatever dirt was in the thing. So now, what do they do? They said, you know what? We must have some type of magical power here. It must be something really special with our dirt. So what do these guys do? Sasru Lidi Rayu. All the people in town destroyed their homes. They took all the dirt. Imagine all those dumpsters filled of, of all the broken down homes. They brought it to the king. Imagine that they're standing there, they're patting themselves on the back, and saying, that dirt that you won the, won the war with, you think he's a good guy who wrote it for you, he just took some of our stuff. But Kua, they checked out the dirt, they found that it was just dirt. And they, they ultimately killed these people. So you show up with a big dump truck full of dirt, dump it out over here, it's worthless. They were killed. Gemara is now paraphrasing the Mishnah. A city that has 500 people, and we see that there's a, sim- a similar price. A city that has 1,500 people, and 10 people died, in other words, three a day, went after the other Hareza Dever. That's considered a plague. In other words, 1,500 people, nine people died, three people each day, that's a plague. If they all die in one day, or in four days, in other words, it's not consecutive, in other words, it has to be consistent, three people every single day, not nine people in one day, and not nine people in four days. The year on Matziah Chamesh Mios Ragli, a city that has 500 people, able-bodied people, Kigon Kfar Amiku, Vyatsa Mimenosh Mesim, and Three people died there. In three days, consecutively, in other words, it's exactly like our Mishnah. However, beyond Echad, they all died in one day. They died in four days. That's not considered a plague. The Gemara tells us, it was a city that had 500 people in it. Three people died in one day. So it was a city that had 500 people, and one day, three people died. Gazer of Nachman, Bar of Chista, Tanisa. Nachman, the son of Rav Chista, instituted a fast on that day. Amar Nachman, Bar Yitzchak, Bar Yitzchak said, Come on, who are you following? Kremeir. He was following Kremeir. Amar Richik, the Gichosov, Chayev, Kir, the Gichosov, Lakoshike. This is talking about a, a ox that gores, the halacha is, a ox that gores three times has to then pay Nezek Shalim. The first three times that an ox scores, it only play, pays half the damage. Once an ox scores a third time, then it becomes a muad, and then it's responsible for all of the damage. So now the question is, what happens if it, if it gores three times in one day? The mayor is of the opinion that if we turn it into a muad after goring three times in three days, then certainly it would be a muad if it gores three times in one day. So he is of the opinion if an animal gores three times in one day, it falls into the category of a muad, an animal which is, which is scheduled to do all types of damage, and therefore has to pay the full price. So Amar Leir of Nachbar of Nachbar Mar and Leisei Gabon. They liked him, and they said, why don't you come move to our area? Amar Leir Tanina, we learned to the Mishnah of Yossi Omer, Lo Makomo Shaladah Mechabdo, Ella Adah Mechabdo Mekomo. It's not the place that causes a person 
to be respectful. That person is respectful because of what they do, and they bring honor to that place. The same thing is true, we find this with Arsinai. As long as the Shekhinah was there on Arsinai, then It was such a special place, and even and animals cannot graze there. Why? Because the Shekhinah is there. However, once the Shekhinah leaves, once the Shekhinah leaves from our Sinai, Amra Torah, the Torah says, Indeed, the animals can go there with time. So you see clearly, it's not the place that brings the honor, it's the thing that is in the place. So if the Shekhinah is there, if the divine presence is there, then Harsina becomes a special place. If it's not there anymore, it's not special anymore. Same thing is true as the Olamayit, the Midbar, the Oal Mavid was in the Midbar, as long as it is set up, then as long as the Oal Mavid, the temporary, the temporary place of the Avodah, the, the, traveling, the, the, the traveling Mishkan was there, so then they had to send out anybody who was a Tzeru, anybody who had Tzeras, who had spiritual leprosy. Huglulu haparochas, once they rolled up the parochas, all types of people who are Tama were able to go there. So again, we see it's not the place that is special, rather it is the people in the place. So ultimately what was happening here was Rav Nachman was saying, you want me to move to your town because there's special people there, because it's a special place. It's not the place to live in, it's about being, it's about being a positive influence, influence of the place that you live. Why do you want me to leave my place to go live, live in your place, let me stay here and make this place into a better place. Amarlai, they said to him, if so, nekum anolik abimar, let us move to you. So Amarlai said to him, no, mutav, even though it's not the place which is the special, it's, which is special, rather it's the people that are living there, mutav yavo mana ben pras, it's a mana ben mana. It's better that a, that a well, let's use the dollar term, it's better than that a dollar, who is the son of 50 cents, should go to a place where the dollar is the son of a dollar. In other words, he's saying that his father was not so good. And it's, it's indicated in Rashi, it's indicated in the, in the name of his, in the name that his father was not, not introduced by the name Rav. It was Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, as opposed to Rav, as opposed to Rav Nachman, the other ones, Rav Nachman Bar Rav Mechista. So his father was more special. In other words, he was saying, it's better that a person who's the son of a Tamil Chacham, and also a Tamil Chacham, should not have to move to a place to a person who is a Tamar Chacham, whose father, whose father was not a Tamar Chacham. But Al Yavo, Mona Ben Mana, ate some Mona Ben Prats. Okay, the Surah, in the town of Surah, there was a plague. Bishvivusa Durav, in the neighborhood of Rav. However, no, sorry. Bishvivusa Durav, there was a plague in Surah. Bishvivusa Durav, in the neighborhood of Rav, there's no plague. They thought it must have been because of the merits of Rav. The Nafish, because he had so many Zechusim. It's Chazay Lubachama. They thought, again, just read this together, to read it the right way. They thought it was because of the many Zechusim that Rav had that he saved the city from a plague. They had a dream. The Rav, the Nafish Zechusim, Rav had so many Zechusim, so many merits. Tuba. Hamilsa Zutrale. This is this is like nothing for him. To save the city from a plague, that's not even a big deal. And that, that was not the reason why it was saved. Rather, 
There was one person in town who always lent his digging equipment to the Chavar Kedisha to allow them to do Kivura. Bidrokras Havilu Delikta, there was a fire. In the neighborhood of Huna, there was no fire. Sovereignty thought, because he had so many Tzachosim, he saved the place from a fire. And again, they had a dream. And hai zutra lei the Rav Huna. This is, this is nothing for Rav Huna to save a city from a fire. You don't need, need Rav Huna, it's, as they, as they say, this is small potatoes. El Mishoma, who it's, he hits it because of this woman, the Mecham Mastanura Mishalit, she would heat up her oven, Umishailu Lishvivusa, and she would lend, lend it to all of her neighbors. Amr lei, Rav Yehuda, Asu Kamtsi. They told of Yehuda that there are all types of locusts coming. We saw when locusts comes, make a tinus. Gozer Chanisa, he instituted a fast day. Amr Leh, Amr Leh, they said to him, there's no reason to worry about this. Lokamasudan, they're not actually attacking the food. So he said to them, Amr Lehu, he said to them, Zavta Isaac Behadayat, did they come with like their luggage? Did they show up with luggage, with like a, with a food package? They came with provisions to support themselves? What do you think they're going to do when they get here? When they get here, they'll be hungry. They're going to have to eat. Amr Leh, Rav Yehuda, Ika, Musno Bechaziri, there's some type of plague in the pigs. Gozer Tanisa, he instituted a fast. Nema Kasavar of Yehuda, Maka Mushlechus, must be the reason why he instituted a, a, a fast, because it must be, this is something which is cont- contagious. It's Maka Mushlechus Mimin Ach Echad. Mushlechus Mikal Minim. Something, a Maka, a plague that hits one type of Min, one type of species, ultimately is going to be a plague that hits all the types of Minim. Umar says, light, it's not true. Shani Chazir Dadamin Inchi. The stomach of pigs is similar in its anatomy to the stomach of humans, and therefore he was worried about it. Amr lay Shmuel. Amr lay le Shmuel. They said to Shmuel, Ika Musna Bechu Zoy. They pointed out to Shmuel that there was a, again, there was a plague. And Gazra Tanisa. And he, it, 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 the plague was in Chuzai. Gazer Tanisa, he instituted a fast day. Amr he said to him, Amrachik, they're very far away. Amr Amar, Leka man, Leka ma'avraha. There's no way to cross over from there to here. Sorry, Leka ma'avraha to Pasiklai. There's no, there's no, in other words, let's do this right. There was a, a, a plague in the city of Chuzoi. Gozor Tanisi instituted a fast. They said to him, It's very far. Why are you making a fast about this plague that's happening somewhere so far away? It's far away. It's not relevant to us. Omar, he said, There is no river that separates us. In other words, we have the ability to get sick anyway. There is a plague in Eretz Yisrael. Gazar Tanisa instituted a fast day. And Omar, he said, If the master gets hit, the maid servant certainly also has to worry about getting, getting hit. In other words, Eretz Yisrael is like the master of all the world. We are all like the maid servants to Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, if Eretz Yisrael is a plague, it's a plague for all of us, which is a good way to think just in general. We find out sometimes it's very easy for us to just be mafkiah ourselves and say, listen, it's Eretz Yisrael, it's far away, we don't live there. Eretz Yisrael has problems, we have problems as well. Time of the Gebira. The reason why is because it's, it's, like, it's like the master. V'shivcha, ha-shivcha, v'shivcha lo. What if it was two different cities, two different maidservant cities? V'ha'amr le'lishmol. Have they not said to Shmol, Ika musna be'chuzai, in Gazer Tanisa? 
didn't he say that they have to fast even though there was a plague in Chuzai, even though that was not Eretz Yisrael? Where it says, Shani Hasam, Kiva the Ika, Shayarta, the Levayv, Asibade. Because there are wagons that go back and forth. In other words, there's a lot of travel, a lot of business back and forth, so therefore it's contagious. It's like, kind of like the um, COVID, Omicron variant. All of a sudden it's here. It starts in one place, before you know it, it comes over, there's all types of travel, and it goes back and forth, and therefore he recognized that there was a risk of a traveling. There's a beautiful story here, I would have loved to learn with you, but you'll have this close to Mr. Shem tomorrow to learn with Kamal Akiva on Shabbos. It's really a beautiful, beautiful story, and a beautiful, overwhelming, incredible daf of Gemara tomorrow. You do not want to miss it. Have a wonderful Shabbos. I'm Gokhaydash, and I'm Fredach Nishanaka.